ABC Listen. Hello, my friends. It's Ruby here, and you are listening to News Time. Hi there, Ruby. Hello. Every week on this show, we count down five stories that have been in the news here in Australia or somewhere else in the world. On today's show, we are going to meet a mini mathematician. We'll give some tired Queensland teddies a bit of tender, loving care, and then we'll head into outer space with a moonlander that's uh, had a few hiccups. After that, we'll tag along with some green thumbs who are doing awesome work on a little island down south. And then, hmm, what's after that? Wow of the week. Ah, yes, that's it. The story that made us go, whoa. What do you think? Are you ready? It's go time. Great. Here we go. Story number five. Emma Glenfield is in year three and she keeps a journal. She fills it up with questions. Whenever Emma has a question about how the world works, she writes it down. A little while ago, Emma was at school watching a magpie that likes to hang out there. Everyone calls him Mr Swoopsalot. Why, Emma wondered, does Mr Swoopsalot like to swoop a lot? Swooping is when a bird, like a magpie for example, flies very close to a person's head or body, maybe even hitting them or pecking them in the process. Magpies often swoop because they think that their baby magpie chicks in their nest might be in danger. Because it tried to swoop me once. They're very cute and they pinch my hair. With some encouragement from her teacher, and a bit of help from Mum, Emma set up an online survey. It asked the people in her local area what they looked like and whether they'd ever been swooped. She was testing to see whether the way someone looked might impact how often they got swooped. Heaps of people filled out Emma's survey, more than 30,000. And with all that information, she crunched the data and figured out that magpies are more likely to swoop tall men who have bald heads. Maybe because it's shiny? So maybe the birds thought, oh, that was a tree, let's make a nest on it. Maybe. Experts around Australia are very impressed with Emma's research. They say it's the first time that anybody has asked this specific question and that because so many people answered Emma's survey, we can probably trust that her findings are correct. She feels so excited because usually you think that adults find the discoveries, but she did. Yep, great work, Emma. Story number four. Do you have a favourite soft toy? Yes, it's called Bunny and it makes me feel brave. Purple Bunny or Big Cat? It's a Pikachu and its mouth is open like it's going to zap you. Tiger Dog, my little dog that plays music when you pull his tail. My favourite toy is a lion that my dad got me. It has a little, little tie and I call it Daddy Lion. They sound like some pretty special friends. The person in our next story has some too. 
Her name is Vivian Wong, and last year she had to leave her home in Cairns in far north Queensland because her home was flooding. When there's a flood, the most important thing is to make sure people are safe. Sometimes that means our things need to be left behind. And that's what happened to Vivian's teddies. Vivian did a good job packing up her stuff and keeping it safe, but once the floodwaters had gone down, she noticed that one of her favourite toys, a teddy named Pink Bear that she'd had for a long time, had gotten wet and dirty in the water. Vivian's friend Rhonda saw how upset Vivian was and got an idea. Rhonda set up a teddy day spa. A spa where teddies go to get clean. It's a place where they renew the toys and stitch them all up and dry them and clean them. Yep, Rhonda took Pink Bear and another teddy named Koala and gave them a good wash. She dried them off, sewed up the holes and returned them home safe and sound. Great idea. That was very good and kind of her. Well, that was really nice of Rhonda to do that for Vivian. Now, Rhonda and a team of five people are volunteering their time to fix other people's toys and teddies that were damaged in the floods, making sure that the special companions stay in tip-top shape. Story number three. A couple of weeks ago, a space capsule called the Peregrine Lander started its journey to the moon. It was filled with lots of cool stuff, like a piece of rock from Mount Everest, toy cars from Mexico, and the DNA of some space lovers from Earth. There was also a collection of hundreds of artworks, some of them by Australian artists. Cool! The space scientists from Earth counted down the launch. Three, two, one, blast off! Things were going well until they noticed the little spacecraft was having trouble getting its solar panels in the right spot. They were meant to be pointed at the sun, but they weren't. Then they noticed a fuel leak, which meant the Peregrine lander lost control of some of its movement. These problems haven't stopped the Peregrine's journey towards the moon, but it's looking like it probably won't be able to land when it gets there. And that will mean the mission fails. That's bad, but they should try again. The scientists agree. They're a bit disappointed, but they're not too upset because they say they've learned a lot from the experiment and they can use the things they've learned to do a better job next time. It's good that they're not upset about it. Try again. And you know what? Mistakes are part of life. No one's perfect. Exactly. In the meantime, the Peregrine lander is hurtling through space and the team now has a tricky decision to make. Should they try to land on the moon, knowing that the Peregrine might crumple into a heap? Or should they skip the moon and head out into space, collecting information and beaming it back down to Earth? It's a tough choice, but whatever they decide, it'll be fun to see what they find out.
Story number two. Almost 20 years ago, a small island called Lungtalanana was returned to the Aboriginal people of Tasmania, the traditional owners of the land. They must feel very happy that it's in the right hand. The island, which is off the northeast coast of Tasmania, wasn't in very good shape. There were overgrown weeds and plants that had been destroyed by fire, and there were feral pests like rats and cats, making life difficult for the native animals. But since then, the traditional owners have done a great job of bringing the island back to life. That's very good. They will probably save the native animals. Pakana rangers are mixing traditional knowledge with new ideas to take care of the land. One of the traditional methods they're using is called cool burning, lighting small fires in small areas to help the plants bounce back and flourish. Now that the land is in a better condition, they want to reintroduce some native species, like the wombat. The way that wombats dig and burrow could help the plants grow and put nutrients back in the soil. I think that's really good. When people want to help the environment, they often think about making sure that trees are growing and plants and bushes are blooming and flowering. But the Pakana Rangers want people to remember how important animals are to the ecosystem too. They're hoping to bring some wombats over very soon. Well, that is a very good start because it could help the whole entire world. Oh, and would you look at that? It's time for... Wow of the Week. This story made me go wow because it makes me realise that kids can be just as amazing as adults. Chess is a board game that requires a lot of concentration. You get some pieces on a board, including a queen and castles and pawns, and you move them around to try to protect your king. That's a really complicated game. The knights can go like an L shape. Oh, I play it a lot with Nan. I love chess and my dad teaches me and it's really, really fun to play, but my dad always beats me. Chess is played by people all over the world. Some people spend years studying the game, developing their skills and strategies. Bodana Sivanandan is eight years old and lives in London in England. She's been playing chess since she was five and she absolutely loves it. Recently, Bodana competed in a chess competition called the European Rapid and Blitz Championship in Zagreb in Croatia. More than 500 players, most of them grown-ups, competed in this special kind of chess where players only have a limited time to make each move. Bodana came 73rd. She was the top-ranking female player in the whole competition. That's amazing and incredible. Famous chess players from around the world have sent their congratulations to Bodana for her amazing achievement. And they think that if she keeps working hard, she could grow up to be one of the greatest chess players of all time. Well, they're correct because she beat like 50 people, I think it was. They say her style of chess is very mature and that she thinks ahead and plans her moves better than most adults do. She must have felt so excited and proud of herself. 
She did indeed. Good work, Bodana. And that is checkmate to you, my friends. The end of today's countdown. Thanks, Ruby. Thank you. Ah, thank you. And don't forget to do the news time quiz. You'll find the questions and the answers in the show notes. Also, if you want to learn more about the cool burning mentioned in story number two, you can take a listen to Imagine This. Bye, Ruby. Have a good one. See you later. Or, as they say in French, au revoir. Newstime is an ABC Kids Listen podcast. For other awesome podcasts to play, music to move to and stories and soundtracks for sleep, download the ABC Kids Listen app. It's free from your app store.